love this slider, don't you? <laughs> I do love it because it, anyway, I have a hard time with Zoom polls. I never can seem to get them to work. So um, Slido is, is one of my favorites, <laughs> but I do have the free version. So you don't get like tons of questions. Hmm. Anyway, so. Um, interactive polls. <laughs> yeah, that's my, my new thing. <laughs> doing it in the Hebrew, doing it in this, this one. I haven't started doing it in our topical guide study yet, but it's coming. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so if you navigate to this website, slido.com, and enter in um, this seven-digit code, or on your device, a separate device, you can do the QR code as well. <clears throat> and you can always join here in a second if you would like to as well. All right. So, where would you rank if we if we took a an average of all of the music in the world today? If we took an average of that, where would you rank that average? Uh, zero being the most satanic, and ten being the most holy. <laughs> and the current average of music includes like tabernacle choir and all that kind of stuff too just kidding oh. i love that we're just going straight satanic. <laughs> there's no good there's nothing good in the world i love it that's why it's not all the way to the left uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I can't. Well, I guess I see seven people up here, but I'm not sure how many I voted. Give you just a couple more seconds if you're locking in your vote. All right. So um, same kind of thing. Where would you rank Christian devotion music? So typical, um, somewhat non-denominational Christian devotion music that's um, worshiping the Savior, but um, lots of instruments, drums, beats, uh, devotion. <laughs> this is all anonymous as well. I had to like really ponder this one and, and think what my opinion was on it because I as I'm trying to give up music and, and different things and stuff, there's still some Christian music that I really love, but maybe that's my, <laughs> my little Achilles heel there. All right. Very interesting spread. <laughs> All right. Here's the, the really controversial one. <laughs> I got into so many fights on the mission about this one. Where would you rank primary songs set to rock music? I know, right? Very interesting. That's about where I would have guessed it. Yeah. All right. So 
Pop music. This is an, a very interesting one. <laughs> I can't think of a more polarizing one, honestly. <laughs> when we're talking with friends and family and different things, it's like, geez, <laughs> people have a lot of opinions on, on pop music. But what kind of things did we learn directly from the, the chapter here? It's very interesting how he goes through and kind of talks about the, the legends, the Book of Adam and Eve, and, and what happened there. Do you, like, I should have put this on the poll question too. Do you guys think that this story is um, is a real account or do you think it is a a legend that got passed down to teach a true principle? Where do you guys sit on, on that fence having uh, read kind of a summary of that here in this chapter? Or is there no opinion? <laughs> I it's do have one thought, Cameron. I um I really enjoy this story because I think it's a teaching, a really good teaching story. But when I got to the paragraph where he says, when in remorse some tried to return, they were unable, then I went, where's Christ in this story? Mm -hmm. I felt like there was a big void that they couldn't get back up on the mountain. So that's when I thought, well, maybe this is just a story that somebody's telling. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even at the bottom paragraph in this chapter, he, uh, the author, our, our Abraham, um, references a person I don't know named Scott Temple, who is a former drug user and reformed. So, that in a way contradicts the paragraph from the story about those who felt remorse tried to return but were unable mm -hmm. yeah so um that it that part doesn't give a great summary so um in the the book of adam and eve the um the people want to return but they're not willing to return and um so one of the things, right? They're they're clothed with the the animal skins of sacrifices, which is their their way of of repentance and being clothed and properly attired to come back into his presence because they've descended, they've tattooed themselves, they've adopted all of the colors and everything, but they're not willing. And some, even future generations, don't even know what animal sacrifice is or how ordinances work, and so. They've never been taught how to return back into the presence, um, but their their parents, the ones that actually came down, um, were just unwilling to perform sacrifices, clothe themselves properly, and return. Um, this I, this is clear, and for that, thank sorry, thank you very much for that because that left such a question. That part in the story left such a question mark over my head. Like it's like they removed Christ out of it. Mm -hmm. So thank you. The uh, unable did not sound like unwilling to mm -hmm. me. So thank you for that distinction. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Claire. Yeah, I just, I had a thought um, and I don't have my scriptures handy where I'm on the Zoom call, but recently I read somewhere in the neighborhood of Alma 34, 35, 36, where Alma is warning Corianton about the consequences of sin. And he talks about there being a space of time for repentance. And 
that, you know, there is going to come a point where that space of time for every individual to repent is going to go away. And, you know, I think it's, it's linked to both how much time you wallow in sin and celestial kingdom activities. And it's also linked to the Lord's knowledge of you as a divine spirit before you came and whether or not he in his divine wisdom knows if you're ever going to repent, because if you aren't, he'll just take you home. Yeah. I love Um, that. that, That's my thought in terms of Lisa's concern about that was that there is a piece missing and that piece is, is Alma teaching about the consequences of sin and repentance to his son. Mm-hmm. And that time is is so crucial. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Lisa. I've got a lot of thoughts on this, so if it appears <laughs> a bit jumbled, I apologize. Um, when I read that chapter, there were some things in there that kind of, I thought, well, things are a bit more nuanced than what, how Abraham writes sometimes, because mm-hmm. um, I think his personality kind of tends to veer to, you know, a bit, not extreme, because I, I wouldn't say extreme, but he he has very, you know, he's very, sorry? Orthodox, like, just. Well, not even orthodox, but he's quite rigid in his views about things, isn't he? So, um, and that's good. That's his personality and that's fine. But I'm a music lover, but and, but I can understand that some of my most favorite um, Christian music is some of the more rocky poppy type that we hear. And, and, and yes, you can feel the spirit because it's in the way the music is written. It's the beats, it's the, it's the vibrations and the frequency that comes across with it. It's not just about, okay, you've got this beat and that's it, it's evil because guitars aren't evil you know all those instruments are not evil and also I think that the lyrics have so much to do with it too and the harmonies and and so we've got to be careful that we don't just say okay anything that doesn't come from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is out you know we've got to be really careful that we don't get into that mindset because then we really narrow ourselves into a box and miss out so much beauty in music Christian you know, orchestras, anything. So I just think that for me, things are a lot more nuanced and I rely on what feels good to me. But if, I mean, you put a heavy metal in front of me and my spirit's going to go, oh, get it away, you know. Mm-hmm. But anything less than that, I just listen to it and think, okay, yeah, no. But, you know, anyway, sorry if that was a bit jumbled, but. <laughs> no, yeah, I love it. I totally agree. So, let me ask uh, the question of what is the purpose of music? Why does the Lord use it for good? And uh, we'll we'll tackle a follow-up question later about um, what is Satan's counterfeit for music, but but what is the true purpose of music? What is what is it intended to do? Yeah, Lisa. So I probably um, have evolved in my ideas on that. Um, but for me, <clears throat> I think about so many of the scriptures that talk about the angels in heaven 
and how they sing and praise the Lord. And then in um, Visions of Glory, how even inanimate objects are always in the Lord. And how as we move into the end time, Isaiah talks about new songs that will be sung. So I really feel like music is a part of the soul's expression of the divine. It's the divine sound and the divine harmony. And it harmonizes with the cells in our body the way we were created when it's done properly. It elevates. Um, I read something, and I'm not scientifically minded, but it was about how certain rhythms can actually degrade us at a cellular level. Uh -huh. Just like I think some words have the power to do that because of the energy that's in them. But other words uplift our souls and the cells of our body. So I really feel like music is divine and it's meant to be divine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And so like with vibration and frequency that uh, both of you kind of mentioned there, um, like, isn't it interesting as, uh, as, we, as we've grown up and experienced things um, that, that our bodies are are resonating instruments uh, in and of themselves, right? Connecting with a, a divine source of, of truth and light. If anybody's read um, The Spiritual Physics of Light by Aaron Franklin and um, how light and vibration um, is, is both auditory and within us. Um, anyway, I think that there's so much to, to be said for that. Um, that one book of, um, what's his name? I always uh, butcher it, uh, Masuro... Emoto, uh, the healing power of water, um, and how, you know, it, it kind of boils down to uh, those experiments, like the the rabbit one um, that was shared at conference, right? When you're speaking love and 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 emitting certain vibrations to other things, they they do well. But when you're emitting uh, disharmony and and a low frequency, it can actually degrade and and transmit that degradation to another uh, living thing, to another object, and especially water, that water is uh, very, I mean, it's just like the catalyst for, for all of it, right? When you are emitting that negative vibration and, and energy, there's a, a chapter in here specifically on the, the power of music with, with water and um, which kind of sounds and vibrations uh, make the the water into it, its pretty shapes and and things versus um the the rock and, and heavy metal music and everything that just uh, just kind of throw it into a, a chaos uh, motif there and if we are water and and we are living on a planet of of water and that is kind of a catalyst for that that vibration that that energy that light that, that can be had i find that so very interesting um so what is Satan's counterfeit to music? Like, if if music's true purpose is uh, glorifying, edifying, worshiping, um, connecting with the divine source, then what is Satan's counterfeit, and how has he become so good at it? <laughs> because, I mean, sometimes there's a real pull for some of these beats, some of the, the music that um, we have in the world throughout all ages. I think all ages have... Um, types and uh, things, different degrees of, of Satan's counterfeit there. Yeah, Nancy. So um, 
Satan tries to get us to focus inward um, instead of outwardly, right? So to focus on our emotions and our feelings and our bodies and, you know, me, 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 me. And I think a lot of the music that um, he is introduced into the world is very, very much that carnal and sensual um, some of the beats and everything, the, the music just, it lends you to those emotions that will lead you down that path. And I think that that's, um, that's where we really need to watch out um, for that. I know I have greatly changed the music. I used to have music on all the time. I've greatly changed the music that I listen to. And um, you know, every once in a while, you know, we'll go back and we'll listen to a song that we used to love, you know, when we were first married or something, and we'll go, huh, yeah, it's not the same. It's, it's the same as, you know, we go back and look at a movie from our old movie collection and, and go, yeah, no, I don't need to watch this again anymore, that kind of thing. Um, and, and as you change and turn away from the inward focus, and try to turn more toward Christ and that outward focus. Um, I think that's when just naturally our tastes of what we want in music change. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that we need to be careful not to just say, oh, well, you know, like classical music is okay, but rock and roll is bad or, um, what's the like opera or whatever some of some of the opera stuff is pretty pretty not good um you know so we can't just say oh just you know the old old style music um that kind of thing we really need to be aware of the emotions that the and the feelings that the music um encourages as well as the what the words say mm -hmm. yeah I, I totally agree in that, especially those lyrics, those can uh, really uh, change the whole thing. Well, and when we were kids, we didn't really understand what they meant. And now we're adults and we're like, <laughs> You're like oh my God. Holy cow, and that's what I was singing. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Tracy. Well, I have discovered that um, pretty much the the music industry is controlled by Satan and they do a masterful job at keeping the frequency at a certain level. Like if you go study what the frequency is of most of the music, they keep it below that frequency where it's the God level type of frequency. And just the way they've engineered, well, like, like the Beatles were engineered to be degraders of the family with introducing drugs, sex, rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. And just the way they controlled them. If you uh, read about them and some of the Beatles, when they figured out kind of what was going on with what their role was to play, they're like, no, we don't want to do this. And then of course, you know, they passed away. So mm -hmm. it's, quite a racket they've got going I've completely stopped listening to the radio it was really hard that was something I loved to do while I was working and stuff 
and every once in a while I'll turn it on and then I'll just sit and I can't even do it anymore. Once I unaddicted myself from it, um, it's much better. But I do listen to hymns and, you know, things like that. I do listen to music still. Sometimes when I'm driving, remember I was driving to Katie's. It's a seven-hour trip. And I hummed a hymn for like a good three hours. And I was I was just laughing like, how am I doing this? But it, it was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's anyway, good. but it's hard yeah. to, to unaddict. It really is. So just a, a quick little thing kind of along with that. Isn't it interesting how um, people send me movies? I'm not like on TikTok or most social medias and stuff, but um, that they go around doing interviews of like BYU students, you know, that have their earphone or uh, AirPods in or whatever. Hey, what you listening to? And I'm just like, my gosh, why is everyone listening to trash? I mean, there's a couple that are listening to hymns, but most of them are, are, they've got their earbuds in and they're just isolating themselves from the world around them. They're, they're supposedly in a good place. I mean, they're going to be learning about the the Lord throughout their, but in between classes, they've got their earbuds in listening to trash. Yeah. It's, it's like, an addiction. It's, it's an addiction. so weird to me. Yeah. 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 Amy. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, um, sorry. Uh, yeah, just the, I mean, it's probably just echoing a lot of what's already been said, but just the, you know, how he, he points to, or talks about the, just appealing to the base nature of us. And, and I think it's easy to mistake that for well like with a lot of things in our our culture and traditions you know we have this like oh it feels good I'm happy when I'm listening to it or you know it can't be bad if you know it's upbeat and everything and and I think just that measuring stick of like but is it is it drawing us to God is this singing God's praises you know or is it just appealing to our human nature of yeah I want to I want to feel good like I don't know our corrupt idea of what feels good Uh, and to me that's kind of Satan's counterfeit too you know there's the obvious like music that can bring you really down and obvious lyrics that bring you down and are against God's teachings but yet I think even just the like false happiness or it's just such a distraction from the purpose, like you're saying, what is the purpose of music? I love that question. Um, yeah. At the risk of oversimplifying, <laughs> I love what she just said about the effects of music. And for me, it would simply be what kingdom is this music being played in? Right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I love it. Cause that's one of my uh, last questions for today was, okay. So after we've thoroughly hashed this out, what question or what measuring stick are you going to ask yourself when judging any piece of music? And, and that answers mm-hmm. it perfectly. So like, what kingdom is this being played in or the kind of thing? I, I love that. So mm-hmm. that's a preview. We'll um, uh, open that up for, for everyone to uh, share their kind of measuring stick or their bar or what kind of question that they would ask themselves after our discussion today but yeah i love that 
Yeah, Lisa. So um, I wish that there were a study because we're talking about this such a great subject. I wish there were a study on what chemicals are being released in our bodies and our brains when we are exposing ourselves to some of those rhythms mm -hmm. and those beats. That would be really interesting. Yeah. And we kind of sense it, you know, because of our spirits, we can sense things, but it would be really interesting to see the science. I, um, I'm sure there's modifying effects that are happening in our bodies because we are so sensitive and our spirits more sensitive probably than we sometimes even realize um, whether it's numbing or exciting or whatever that is happening. Um, the other thing I was thinking about was as a, as a teenager, I don't know if I'm unique, I might be that way because I never really liked rock music. I, I, I put up with it because my friends liked it. And I went to dances and I danced because that's what my friends did. But I, the whole time I was thinking, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so funny when I look back on my teen years and everything I did was that I didn't like. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> everything was about going to the church dances and dancing rock music and listening to rock music. And I remember never liking it. Mm -hmm. My very favorite high school boyfriend went on to be like a not really a rock star. I don't think he really made it to that level, but he was always in the background in the rock, you know, business world. And I was just like, never, that was, that was not my, that was not how Satan was able to draw me. I always knew I don't really feel good mm -hmm. when I'm around this sound. I don't feel good. So I think we have our spirits to help discern. And I think that's what a lot of us have been speaking to is that you can feel the difference of what's happening. And um, so I think that that's the best guide that we can have. And, and also what Claire said about, you know, what level um, on the spiritual ladder, what kingdom would these sounds and these um, forms of entertainment be coming from? Mm -hmm. So would you say that um, that there are spiritual gifts associated with music? So um, like you said, you had a, a natural aversion to, to some of those things. I, on the other hand, was like fully addicted early on of like listening to the, the grossest, dumbest music <laughs> and stuff, you know, like I have my, my stupid past or whatever, but uh, I still fall back into that trap sometimes of um, that, that music kind of can have a drawing effect and uh, you kind of tolerate it and then you start accepting it and then you're listening to it all the time kind of a thing but that's not one of my spiritual gifts to have a natural aversion to it um but it's interesting what you said there like i, I just never was interested in it. it it was always just very um off-putting i was just going with it because of of peer pressure whatever social norms and i didn't i didn't have uh the confidence as a young person to say, I'm okay, not liking this. I always kind of felt bad. I don't yeah. like what my friends like. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with Christy. Sorry, trying to figure out how to unmute myself. Um, I So here's something that um, 
I've really pondered a lot on, and I'd, I'd be curious to get um, everyone's opinion on. So I, I'm a, a type of person that is very physical. And so one of the ways that I feel the spirit and express is through dancing and moving my physical body. Um, and it's something that I love to share with my children to have little dance parties. And, um, you know, we all joke in my family, you know, if uh, I don't know if anyone has listened to the Lamb of God. Um, oh, it, it's a big orchestra uh, production, but, but, you know, at one point they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And some people are shouting and some people are dancing and, you know, everyone in my family jokes like, well, we know what mom would be doing. She'd be the one <laughs> over there dancing. Um, and so I, I've really struggled what, you know, how do you find the appropriate types of music that allow you to express through that way? Because I, I don't think that that's inappropriate, you know, it, and as the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, right, Miriam danced and they had tamarinds and, and um, they did a special dance to uh, celebrate uh, God delivering them. And so um, anyways, I'm just, I'm just curious because that, that's been a thing where, you know, there's, there, I've certainly shifted the music that I have listened to um, in an attempt to write make myself closer to God. Um, but uh, there's a level of expression that I can't do to the tabernacle choir, for example. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so I'm just, I'm just curious, is there, there's anyone else who's very physical in that way or, uh, or any other thoughts? I had to chuckle because like when you said tabernacle choir I'm just imagining you just dancing along as you listen to general conference <laughs> it, it just doesn't quite I mean like there is some form of dance and movement that we do do like that that does stem from that and that I can't express but there are others that that, that aren't available <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I love that um so does anybody have uh, like comments or, or things directly uh, answering that question? Um, go ahead and, and start talking or whatever. And then uh, we'll, we'll pick up Nancy here in a second. Yeah, you can go on the church um, app and go into the music. And there's um, a lot of youth music that's been given. They, like every year they do youth music and it's very trendy type of sound too and so that's what I listen to a lot of times if I'm feeling the need for some music mm. have you guys seen that like they just released a new 2023 album and it's in the gospel library app mm -hmm. and each year they do kind of an album or you know something like that that's I mean, an interesting thought to think about on that, Tracy, because, you know, we're talking about all the popular music, and if the church is putting out the music for the youth to the popular beats and everything, you know, that, that's an interesting thing to, to ponder. Mm -hmm. I was a dance major at BYU, too, and I love physical movement and dancing and being in nature and hiking. And sometimes I just feel like, oh, this is so beautiful. And the movement with the body is part of that. Um, the Howard Gardner 
uh, multiple intelligence theories. He's from Harvard. There is a type of um, intelligence, and there's many types, that literally experience the world through physical movement. And so I think that's what you're talking about <laughs> when you express your desire to move. And it's good. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I find it so interesting. Like, dance is really not my thing. <laughs> and so I always kind of find it interesting. Um, uh, somebody sent me one last night. It was a little clip of uh, some Christian um, uh, congregation or whatever, and they were all filling the Holy Spirit kind of a thing and uh, all over the place uh, dancing or whatever, but they had set it to some funky song or whatever. But I, I caught myself laughing, but then in light of what we were uh, reading today, I was thinking man, these people are really feeling it. They're, they're feeling a connection with their God through music, through um, the intent of the authorship of that piece of art kind of a thing. And I was, anyway, it just took me back because my first reaction was funny because of uh, what the, the background music that they threw over top of it. But at the same time, there, there's, there's something to it because we do have, we have many scriptures. We have, um, uh, youth dances. We have lots of different things where we can express ourselves through um, that type of that that type of medium, that type of art. Um, and so, um, like my opinion on, um, like what Avraham says, you know, like when you start seeing people just gyrating and hip thrusting, and it's all about how, like, what type of dance is this? Is it this a celestial dance? Is it a terrestrial dance? Is it a celestial kind of a dance? Like, what purpose is it? And just kind of, I don't know, using some sort of measurement guide to, to check in uh, every so often on making sure that the purpose of it is not just entertainment, but it is in that worship kind of realm. That's how I would tend to judge. That's how I'm starting to, to look at my forms of of music if it's just purely to entertain or if it's to um to connect with the divine in some way Catherine, awesome. thank you so much for your thought uh, claire has a thought there in the chat um, about that yeah so she says uh can't unmute right now but i'm with nancy i was a, a dance and, and music major at BYU. there's a, a real struggle with physical expression keeping it in harmony with the highest level of the spirit I, I think that's so true because if there's anything good or praiseworthy or whatever, right, or articles of faith, then Satan's going to attack it. <laughs> like he's going to have a counterfeit and make it uh, one degree off at the beginning and then start spinning it out of control. And so I think that the, the most important part is to constantly be checking ourselves and the intent. Because um, I think that all art in any, uh, let's see, all art, yeah all art forms um, have degrees of, uh, of change that, that can happen. And it's all based on intent, but that's my own opinion. I don't know, but yeah, Nancy. Okay. Um, I, my comment goes back to just the general impact of music. Um, if we ever question how relevant um, the music that we listen to is try watching a movie without the sound. 
where you're not hearing the soundtrack, you're not hearing the crescendo of, of music in the background, or you're not hearing the orchestration that is there to help you know what emotion you should be feeling from this scene, right? We even use music in the temple um, to do that exact same thing. And um, there's a, one of my son's favorite things is to listen to soundtracks. And he has, he has soundtracks to video games, soundtrack, and they are amazing, right? And some of these are, they're really, really cool. And I don't have any connection. I don't know what the game they're to, right? Um, and so I, I, when I listen to them, I'm not reminded of the video game. But if somebody has played the video game and they hear it, they might hear something totally different. And so it, it is sometimes the very situational for us because mm -hmm. I don't think that that particular music is necessarily bad. And it really depends on what it brings to your mind. And, um, you know, so it, it's really easy. Uh, Avraham is very black and white. It's either this or this, right? And it's very easy to fall into that. But really, I think life is much more shades of gray. Um, and um, the Lord loves all of our diversity and he's given us all of our different talents. And um, while I am not a dancer, when I was a kid, I would put on my music and dance around my room. And um, I totally get that because that's, that is totally what I was. And I was like, man, to have that body again, that I could do that, <laughs> that would be, that would be great. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, it's all, it's, it's that same thing of where, where does it draw your mind? Where does it draw your thoughts? And there are a lot of things that for me might draw my thoughts upward and for somebody else, they, it might not mm -hmm. or vice versa. And, and so we really, we really have to get good at discerning in our own circumstances. You know, now it's really easy, like the music you're gonna hear at a rave is not gonna be what you wanna listen to, but there's so many others that depending on your circumstances and your experience mm -hmm. can either uplift or not. I love that. Like how music is so attached to memory and, uh, experiencing the same feelings that we had either previously or or in the future kind of a thing that it's kind of this bridge across time um you know like anything with um sometimes a smell can bring you back to a, a certain memory sometimes music can can do the same thing right yeah i well, love my, that association my husband and i you know we find that um you know the the songs that we listened to when we were dating and we were first engaged or first married they bring back that those emotions and those thoughts and those feelings and you know so that's a good thing for us with that you know we've we've 
gone and listened to a couple of them and go, okay, yeah, let's skip that one, but let's go, let's keep these others. Still, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mom. Well, earlier when you was talking, um, am I still here? Yeah. Like something got in front of me here. Okay. Anyway, he was talking about the little rabbit story that Elder Stevenson talked about and how the loving, talking loving words and stuff. But anyway, that triggered to me that thinking about lullabies that we sing to our little children, grandchildren, and and how soothing that is to their soul. And I mean, it literally put them to sleep or calm them down if they're upset mm-hmm. and um when my oldest granddaughter she's like I don't know 24 or something like now and um I tended her quite a bit when she was young and I had this little uh lullaby that I'd sing and and then as you know I was just singing that over and over again and I kind of ended up adding some extra little things to it about her as singing about her and everything and and switched up the tune just a little bit and I do it that way a lot and it was funny I was talking and this is when she's a baby up until like about two two and a half and uh, I was talking to her when she was like Oh, just barely before she was a teenager. And I asked her if she remembered that little lullaby. And she did. And she sang it to me. And she sang that same tune I did when I went off the, the, and did my own thing. And she remembered the little words about her. And she sang it just, just like I used to sing it. And so how does a little baby remember all that? But it, it was it was clear, and she's she still had that with her. Mm-hmm. It, so, I mean, it's so interesting. It's we have to make sure we have to like safeguard our children, right? In those early years, like they have so much being thrown at them, and the it, how impression um, how much of an impression those those early songs can can make and and stay with somebody, right? They are sponges. Yes, that was such a wonderful story. Um, thank you, Darlene, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Also, babies are soothed by their mother's heartbeat. And in a way, we're all emitting, you know, I'm sure the sound of our hearts and our breath are very connected to the divine. Mm-hmm. Breathe to, to, to inhale is to inspire. And I read the most beautiful thing. It's kind of bringing in a little bit about our Hebrew studies together that the rabbis have noted that the letters for Yahweh, which are Y-H-W-H, represent breathing sounds or aspirated consonants. The W-H being the inhale and the or the Y-H being the inhale, the W-H being the exhale. So in a way, even our living bodies are calling to creator. And I just, I still just feel so much that what we listen to, like Darlene said, becomes so such an imprint 
And little children are in a hypnagogic state, which means that they are recording up until the age that they are able to be baptized. They are recording in a dream state. They, their, their brain waves are not like ours now. They are recording all of their experiences. So that is such a profound um, insight that Darlene gave us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Anna. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to make a comment about, you know, safeguarding our children, because when reading um, the references Avraham gave to the book of Adam, mm -hmm. and I encourage you guys to go who anybody who hasn't like read the books, I think it gives way more context to yeah. what he's saying. And in one of the, and just in uh, one of the verses, it says the guy he mentions Genan or Ginan. I don't know how anybody would pronounce that, but it said Satan came into him in his childhood and how vulnerable he was and how um to what everybody else is saying with children they have a greater ability for the neuroplasticity people like science has always told us that the brain is this this decaying organ and that you can't really get memory or you can't really regrow it or restructure it but really that's not true it, it is harder for adults to grow in that aspect compared to children. And I think that's why he likes to target, even in this story, he tiger targeted that man or, you know, in his childhood. And um, I'll just make one final comment too, is with uh, like doing music therapy, my husband was actually diagnosed with colon cancer. And so one of the things he was talking to a Boston researcher about diet and certain all different alternative therapies. And one of the researchers comment was like, he was really surprised about how powerful music therapy was in helping people's various cancers. And he just told my husband, yeah, you really should implement this. You should do it before you go to bed at night and make sure, you know, like, and that was kind of the, one of the things that we had done every single night we were consistent because it really relaxes you and making sure it's good music. My husband likes just acoustic stuff. Um, and so that was just an interesting thing. And I'm sure there's studies out there about it. I just have never gone into it. So he was just, mm -hmm. again, really surprised of how good it was. Yeah. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Um, so I wanted to share uh, a talk from President Nelson. Um, well, let me add it there. Um, so this is in Third uh, Nelson, Chapter 30, if anyone's interested in looking it back up. But um, so this talk is the power and protection provided by worthy music uh, delivered BYU Provo 2008. But he goes through some amazing things. Like if anybody wants to share this with family members and stuff, this is one of the, the most powerful talks on music and choosing good music. Um, so some of the, the verses that, that really stood out to me, so like 19, he says that prophets throughout all generations have taught the importance of worthy music. And I was like, really? But he quotes so many extensive things here about the, the role of music from um, modern prophets to, to ancient scripture and everything. And so he goes through quite a few different citations here, but um, uh, the first one here, an Old Testament scripture bids us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. In the Hebrew language, those words literally mean to burst forth into song and to shout for joy. 
contrast that spirit of enthusiasm with scenes we may see at church when some sing only passively and without a spirit of joy. I thought that was so interesting. Um, going on to some of his future things, um, he gives lots of like bullet point kind of things. Worthy music also has the power to persuade. Um, let's see. 37. Music has a sweet power to promote unity and love in the family. And then he illustrates all of these with lots of different little stories that you can go and read. Music has power to overcome language barriers. This one really spoke to me because like one of my most powerful moments with any kind of music was on my mission in Spanish when I heard um El Cristo es, this is the Christ from uh, President Faust. It, like I, I had heard the song before in English, whatever, but I mean, I, I didn't connect with it as much as I did. We were in a conference or, or something, I can't remember. And I was right next to this solo baritone man that just did it with such emotion. Like, I, I still get all of the feels that that I had at, at that moment. That was my most powerful connection with with a music. And I didn't even fully know Spanish at the time. I just knew that this was testifying about something very powerful. And so I, I totally agree with him here. It has the power to overcome language barriers. Um, and then just kind of uh, summing up... Um, he quotes President Packer, which President Packer has some amazing talks on music, um, but he, Nelson is quoting Packer here, worthy music not only has power, but it can provide protection, just like our garment, if, like kind of pull in the, the wording of the initiatory as you're thinking about this. Um, for many years, President Boyd K. Packer has taught this concept. He has often quoted another statement issued by the First Presidency many years ago. Music can be used to exalt and inspire or to carry messages of degradation and destruction. It is therefore important that as Latter-day Saints, we at all times apply the principles of the gospel and seek the guidance of the spirit in selecting the music with which we surround ourselves. Um, brethren and sisters, um, wherever we are, we should carefully choose what we see and hear. Some of you would not knowingly tolerate pornography in your homes, and yet you would allow music into your lives that can be just as devastating. Many youth listen to music that can be described as loud and fast, becoming louder and faster. It aims to agitate, not to pacify, to excite more than to calm. Beware of that kind of music. As you know, continued exposure to long sounds or loud sounds will in time damage delicate organs of hearing. In like manner, if you overindulge in loud music, you will more likely become spiritually deaf. You may not be able to hear the still small voice. And he quotes the, the scriptures there. Um, the Lord your God has spoken unto you in a still small voice, but ye were past feeling that you could not feel his words. Do not degrade yourself with numbing shabbiness or and in reverence of music that is not worthy of you. Delete the rubbish from your minds and your iPods. Protect your own personal standards. Be selective. Be wise. Do not allow unworthy, raucous music to enter your life. It is not harmless. It can weaken your defense and allow unworthy thoughts to enter your mind. That This is where it really got me. It can weaken your defense and allow unworthy thoughts into your mind and pave the way to unworthy acts. 
because everything that we do is in the mind first and then it becomes it it manifests into to the physical right the spiritual creation before physical creation and the power that music has in that specific realm there so i'm just going to read this last verse here but dear brothers and sisters please fill your minds with worthy sights and sounds cultivate your precious gift of the holy ghost protect it as the priceless gift that it is carefully listen for its quiet communication you will be spiritually stronger if you do you know the proverb as a man thinketh in his heart so is he as you control your thoughts you control your actions indeed worthy music can provide power and protection for your soul and i just oh i just love his talk it's so good <laughs> but um all of the different examples that he gives and all of those different bullet points but anyway yeah mother um as you, you muted yourself as i meant to lower my hand um that this is the christ thing it got me thinking about this uh quite often uh our uh, apostles and prophets when they uh finally see christ in the flesh uh those that are musically inclined write a song about it and i believe that one by uh president faust is one of those mm -hmm. where he's writing about that experience yeah exactly and um like president nelson here um he then concludes the meeting he has the uh choir sing president nelson's hymn our prayer to thee and if you pay attention to the words of it, it it's exactly that he's testifying of being in the presence of the savior and uh, uh elder mcconkey his i believe in christ is the same and elder packer did uh well and there's been several i i keep thinking i'm gonna just get a collection of all those and put them together and and with their words and stuff but i haven't got it done yet mm -hmm. but yeah like i think that music uh you know one of my first questions was um what is the true intent of of music right and i think that there's one of those true intents is to to create to to have spiritual experiences and then write them into existence so that they're remembered right because uh, music is is super helpful in remembering things and so as we have spiritual experiences especially if they're super spiritual experiences that we're not just talking about uh openly we can symbolically layer the um the whole experience within uh, a musical expression and we can um put that out without um casting pearls before swine or you know like uh, degrading the the experience at all i think music has that power to um to create and solidify the testify of of spiritual things anyway yeah Lisa. well i'm unmuted okay so getting um back a little bit to two other um, directions that we were walking in with this conversation. One is to get back to um, people who are suffering from illnesses and the healing potential 
um, of music that Anna mentioned. Um, I did uh, know someone who did a study. It was a very small study on uh, one of the back east big hospitals that, that have cancer patients. And they were exposed to beautiful um, songs that are meant to connect us with God. They weren't necessarily LDS hymns, but they were healing sounds that were prepared with that intention in mind. And they, the, they found that the cancer patients were able to lower their need for pain medication substantially, simply by listening to, to beautiful, uplifting music, which I thought was interesting. And then the other thing that I was thinking about, which is the movement of the body as an expression of the divine. Um, I think that there is a lot of potential that even, you know, movement can also carry that intention. I personally, when I was going through the grieving process for the loss of my grandmother, found that part of my healing and releasing and expressing during that period of mourning was through my physical body, that my body, I allowed it to just begin moving with my breath and with the sounds of what I was grieving and experiencing coming from the lungs and the movement of the body with that was just amazing. It was beyond going and sitting with a therapist and just talking. It was very organic and it really was able to, um, to take me to a, to a more whole place. So I just wanted to mention that too. Mm -hmm. yeah. So to kind of wrap it all up, kind of put it together. So after listening to everybody's uh, thoughts and opinions and, and things, after our discussion today, what question is your measuring stick for judging music and um its role in your life like when you take a song what are you now going to ask yourself um uh, like claire said uh, what uh, kingdom is is this music in um one of the I, I forgot to point this out in president nelson's talk but he mentioned his does this edify uh, that's his question that he asks um, when he's listening to, to music. But anyway, just throw that out. If anybody has any uh, good um, questions or uh, what's your, your measuring stick that you're going to, to measure music by now? Does it invite the spirit? Mm -hmm. been a, a fun conversation because I don't know sometimes we just kind of get put on autopilot and you know uh, we, we've chosen our good music and then we just kind of let life go and um, let it happen but I think it's always important to to keep that intent um, ever present to keep asking ourselves and checking in okay now the stuff that I'm listening to is there anything I need to weed out because uh, stuff can sneak in yeah, I think the measuring stick for me, especially in reading the book of Adam would be, does it cause lustful desires within your heart and the counterfeit that Satan is saying? It's very, it's beautiful sounds and, but does it cause uh, that lustful desire? And it all, and it's interesting the verbiage that they use, it's that it, it burns in their heart as with fire. 
where the flip side for Jesus, he's the one who's going to give us the Holy ghost with fire. Like it's so similar. And yet the fruits of it are very different. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think the measuring stick I will use, but you were supposed to tell us your, your missionary story about how you got in arguments about primary and rock. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. If you don't want to. Oh my goodness. So my very first area in the mission, I didn't speak Spanish yet or whatever. And my companion listened to the primary songs, but they were screamo heavy rock versions of them. Yeah, except the little stream. Like it was so crazy. But we would we would prepare on Sundays for church. We were getting ready and everything, and we would listen to primary screamo. And I just I can't deal with this. And so um I I could never talk to him. I tried to talk to him. I didn't know Spanish yet. I was just floundering. And uh, I eventually got up the nerve at our district meeting because there were some other English speakers there to like, okay, I'm, I need to vent and I need to like, okay, is music okay? And so, and I was literally the only one that thought that that was bad. Well, it's primary music. It's fine. We, they all listen to it. Uh, Yeah. I think that's a really big deception too, is that you can have a really good tune, but the words are really bad. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about that. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, and then I brought it up to my mission president um, at one point because it was just a genuine thing within me because I was like, I just don't feel the spirit. And like, it's not that I was trying to get anyone in trouble or anything like that, but I was just trying to navigate my way around that situation. Like, how would you bring it up? And then he transferred me the next day. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> solved the problem, I guess. <laughs> but it, it was just so interesting that I was like this outlier that I, I don't know, it was so weird to me. But music just has a profound effect. I mean, it would affect my whole week by starting it off wrong, preparing for an ordinance by listening to that kind of stuff. And anyway, it's just interesting (laughs) because you can take a good thing because here's one of the questions that I was going to ask, I forgot to, but can the author's intent of any piece of music carry through and and when can we by changing it negate the author's intent so like um one thing president packer talks about in a few of his different ones uh different talks on this is that it doesn't matter what the actual end product is it what what the author was thinking when he wrote it if that author's intent was under the influence of satan at the time that will carry through and it could be the most beautiful orchestral piece but if the author's intent at the time if his mindset uh, not even in creating the song but if he was in a, a bad place at the time that he wrote it that can carry through and can cause those same emotions in future listeners kind of a thing and so uh, he talked about the lifestyles of our rock musicians and the the influence that they have can carry through. And so uh, I guess coming back to, circling back to my long question here <laughs> is how much does the author's intent or the author's lifestyle at the time of creation or conception carry through and can we ever negate it? Um, so it, it's a good song. But when we turn it into Screamo, <laughs> can, can those primary songs actually become evil? Kind of a thing. Anyway, <laughs> that was a, a long tangent tirade. But yeah, Nancy. I have to unmute myself. 
Um, I think that we, um, that's a, that's a loaded question you just asked there, Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you know anything about some of the classical musicians, you know, like Mozart and stuff like that, you would never listen to any of his stuff if you thought of intent or what they were in, uh, under the influence of. Um, I really do think that a lot of um, a lot of it depends on on your frame of reference, right? If you are under that same influence, and honestly, if there's something that's really bad, I think if we are in the under the influence of the spirit, then we're going to recognize it and we'll turn it off. Um, but there's a there's a, a lot of people who want to say okay, I'm just going to cold turkey cut out everything. And, you know, I have done that to a certain extent, but um, I just think that we need to use prudence and wisdom um, and also make sure that we are not judging others for their choices and their use of their prudence and wisdom. Um, because there may be a song that we would just shake our head at, but that brings back some comfort or emotion or spiritual experience that someone had. I know um, I was reading something and um, they were talking about how, I think it was an article or something, they were talking about how they had had, um, they had read that if you know if you're starting to be tempted by porn or by something bad to think of a hymn and that what that had done instead um is they had done that so much that now when they hear that hymn what do they think of and, and so we have to really be careful about that because um it goes both ways mm -hmm. and and so um it, it's not as it's not as cut and dry Mm -hmm. yeah i i totally agree just on that that last statement there because I, I think everyone pretty much knows me like i was addicted to porn for a long time and that was the the main thing that people would tell me just think of a hymn and after a while you're sitting in church listening to hymns thinking bad thoughts all the time like it, it created this way negative association and it took me a long time to recover from that <laughs> it's not the best piece of advice don't advise anyone that but like it's so important to always guard ourselves and so that we can create positive associations rather than the the negative ones and, and the intent there i really love what you said yeah amy um yeah i don't necessarily know the answer to the question that you asked but i do think it is a good reminder of you know with all of the forms of idolatry that we face uh it's just a good reminder of how important it is for us to develop the gift of discernment and just have have the spirit be able to let us know you know if something that we're listening to even if by all standards says it's you know it should be considered a great piece of music 
that if the spirit tells us turn it off or walk away let it go you know that we can we can do that you know i just think it always seems to come back to that need for discernment mm -hmm. yeah i i love that uh president nilton uh kind of points a little bit of that in in that talk there but the the power and protection is so necessary for us like isn't that one of his greatest kind of things to to help us connect and be able to access the power of heaven through lots of different things um and then to to actually protect ourselves safeguard ourselves against future attacks and music is really one of the great catalysts for satan to get us off just a couple degrees and be able to attack us full head on and so that discernment is so necessary for us and so I think that I don't think we're done yet with with our music. I, I think that Satan's going to find more subtle ways to um, to thwart and attack the the very elect of God in the last days. And so I think that this is a, a very um, powerful thing that we always need to be on on guard with. Uh, have our measuring sticks out and make sure that we're we're constantly checking in and using that discernment, like you said. That's so powerful. Yeah. Any kind of final thoughts or uh, things from the, the reading or, or anything before we head out? I knew we were going to go over a little bit because there's just so much that I wanted to talk about <laughs> and, and get everybody's opinions on. But anyway, I, pop music is 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 an interesting one, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, like violence and sex, obviously, <laughs> one of the obvious uh, idolatrous things. But pop music, I find, can be a uh, fairly controversial or just everyone has a, a different opinion and like nancy was saying not judging other people on where they're at wherever just doing you and making sure that you're checking in with your discernment and, and your promptings um i know that i've had uh, times when the lord told me cut everything out even gospel music just cut it all out because you're getting addicted mm -hmm. and then and then you can start introducing back the good stuff and and things but um that's not like a, a one-size-fits-all band-aid, right? Like, we can't cut out all good music, um, but there, there are certain times when the, the Lord knows best, and, and he'll know when uh, what you need in any given moment and, and situation of your life kind of a thing. Yeah, Mom, did you have a comment? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, um, my older two kids uh, were... Uh, teenagers in the late 80s and early 90s and the the rock there was a lot of heavy rock going on at that stage and I've I noticed how clever Satan is that he they all almost all of them had of the groups had one or two songs that were just beautiful and and and, and it'd lure you in, you know, and then, and then grab you and stuff. It's just, you know, I just was thinking of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so for next week, we're going to do <laughs> chapter six. That's going to be a fun one. Organized sports. <laughs> this is another one that's heavily debated, right? I, I get into lots of... <laughs> I used to get into lots of fights about it. 
I, I don't anymore. Uh, just like uh, we're talking about here, anything, uh, you can't judge other people on where they're at in whatever realm they're with. So anyway, next week's going to be a fun discussion on, on sports, uh, organized sports, that is. Um, but yeah, any final comments for today? not well go ahead and head out but yeah thanks for a fun enlightening discussion i, I loved it uh, happy listening to good music as we prepare for sunday <laughs> thank, thank you, you Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. thanks Have everyone thank you bye, bye.